0: Hello and welcome to Footnotes the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah and I'm Amy. Thank you for joining us for the latest episode which this week features the highlights of one of our Cicerone live events that we ran during 2020 lockdown as a way to inspire our outdoor community for a time when we can travel again.
1: This particular live event was all about trekking in Tajikistan and the Pamir Trail with Ciceroan author Jan Bakker who is the author of Ciceroan's guidebook to trekking in Tajikistan. Jan Bakker was born in a village below sea level in
0: the northwest of the Netherlands. He saw his first mountain at age 15 and was instantly sold. Jan is a jack of all trades as far as outdoor adventures are concerned. He worked as an outdoor instructor in Belgium, managed an environmental charity called Respect the Mountains and sold woolly hats to outdoor stores in Scotland. More recently, he co-founded the very first mountain film festival in Tunisia and has been leading pioneering mountain expeditions in Tajikistan, the Afghan Wakhan Corridor and Iraqi Kurdistan. He has written articles about his adventures for Sidetracked, Trekking Mountain Magazine and Adventure
1: Travel Magazine. As you're going to hear, Yang is a real expert in trekking in this country, which is the third highest on earth, which I had no idea about. It didn't occur to me that it's that high up. All oh, that mountainous. It's yes. incredibly
0: mountainous. I was really surprised by that.
1: Yeah. And um, in the event, Jan was showing us lots of really brilliant maps and photos and that sort of thing. So if you are interested in watching the whole event, you can go to the Cicerone website, uk, and you can find the video recording of the event and see all of his brilliant photos and yeah, see exactly how mountainous it is.
0: And it's well worth doing that, actually, because until we published the guidebook about trekking in Tajikistan, I just thought Tajikistan sounded quite dull. And I was amazed to see how beautiful it is. So it is really worth uh, looking at Jan's photographs.
1: And Jan has also, because he takes such brilliant photography, and he has done a photo gallery for us on the Cicerone website in um, Cicerone Extra. So you can go and look at that as well if you want to be inspired. The thing that I was amazed by is how beautiful the lakes are with that really brilliant blue colour to it and then the mountainous peaks behind that. I just think they're absolutely beautiful. Because you might expect
0: Tajikistan to be dry and deserty but actually there's a huge variation in the sorts of landscape that you see there.
1: So we spoke to Jan about the practicalities of trekking in this remote area um, such as water, staying in homestays, Um, how to stay safe in Tajikistan with it being so remote and he also gave us some beautiful descriptions of the country culture and the landscape Jan also shared his vision for his latest project the Pamir Trail which is a thousand kilometer route across Tajikistan so it was really exciting to hear about that and you can find out how to support him on that endeavor towards the end of this episode Welcome to Jan, um, who is joining us today from Uganda. Um, hi, Jan. Good
2: evening. Good evening.
1: Good evening. So if we yeah, run into any technical issues, I think it might be a combination of Cumbrian thunderstorms that we've been having over the past few days and uh, potentially the Ugandan internet.
2: Yes, yeah, so far so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I thought it'd be a really great chance for you to introduce the area and take our audience through an introduction to Tajikistan and the culture and the area
2: so yeah many people have not even heard of Tajikistan or don't really know how to place it so it's this tiny country in the heart of central asia it's west of china north of afghanistan east of uzbekistan and south of kyrgyzstan so it's really wedged in all uh that are a bit more famous to to most people it's a um, very mountainous country. Uh, in fact, it's 90, 93% of the country is, uh, is mountainous. Yeah, it's, it's a sparse. The, the mountains are sparsely populated. It has a population of 9.5 million people, but most people live in the, in the lower parts of, uh, of the country. Most of them in Dushanbe and Gudjans, the, the, the main cities. The whole eastern part is the pioneers. it's almost 50% of, of the country. And um, there's only 230,000 people living there. So you can imagine it's, uh, it's quite an empty land in this, this part of Tajikistan. But not many people know that it's, it's actually the third highest country in the world. So you've got Bhutan and Nepal, and just behind it is, uh, is Tajikistan with uh, an average of 3,100 meters. It's quite unbelievable, especially for me coming from below sea level. So yeah, it's, there's mountains wherever you go essentially. And even where it's uh, not considered mountainous, yeah, it's a true paradise for for, for for outdoor and mountain tourists. Size-wise, yeah, you can compare it. It's slightly smaller than Wales and England combined. So it's actually, it's not that, that big. Although travel times, as you can imagine, it takes a lot longer to go from A to B because the, the roads are not always in a, a perfect condition. <laughs> So landscape-wise, in the, the guidebook, in Trekking in Tajikistan, we divided the, the the mountain areas in the Northern Ranges and, and the Pamirs. So I'll start to t- talk a little bit about the Northern Ranges. Um, this is the Fan Mountains, probably the most popular part for trackers in Tajikistan because it's close to Dushanbe. It's a two and a half, three hour drive. And it's a really stunning, compact mountain area with lots of pathways. It's quite a, quite a few people roaming these, uh, these mountains, local people, shepherds. But it's all very steep, lots of steep passes, really big mountains, over 5,000 meters. And it's, yeah, it's a very accessible place to, to visit. And you can see this lake down here brilliant lakes even the glaciers go to quite low so you can walk to a, the snout of a glacier at three and a half thousand meters and if you go further east it becomes a lot greener lots of um, precipitation and yeah it's, it's a bit like the alps but maybe 500 years ago so it's really yeah without the gondolas and pa- way marks and but it looks a lot like the alps it's also similar altitude all around Meters. The height is just over 5,000, so a little bit higher than Mont Blanc. Uh, and also, here is a network of trails, uh, which is ideal for hiking. And if you go further south to the Pamirs, there's also quite a depth in landscapes. So, the Saroshkul, which is a lake at 4,500 it's, it's, that's an area with lots of mountain lakes. Every night you can camp on a different lake and it's quite stunning. Very lush, very, lots of glaciers, lots of water. The valleys are very green as well it's, and, and no hardly any people. You can just track there and not meeting anyone for days. And finally, this photo was taken right on the edge of the Murga Plateau, so that's a high altitude desert. It's a lot drier, as you can see, more flattened out, but everything is above 3,500 meters and the peaks in the distance um, are probably over 5,000 meters. So it's a very harsh landscape, lots of wind as well, a lot harder to track in. Finding water is also a challenge. Finally, this landscape you can only find in the, the, the heart of the, pa- the yeah, where the, the proper high mountains are. So, in the background, is the highest mountain in Tajikistan, uh, Ismail Simoni, 7,495 meters, taken from about 6,500. And the, the tents really give scale. So, here are the big glaciers. It's a bit comparable to, uh, I guess, the, uh, the Hindukush and the um, Chen Shan mountains. So, it's, it's all kind of the same system as well which is call the Pamir North, where all the big, the greater ranges in Asia come together. Yeah, transportation. There's a big network of trails everywhere in the mountains uh, carved out by the, the shepherds, uh, people who, vi- who travel from village to village, uh, and they take on really big passes. Yeah, you don't have to build trails here. They're there for, uh, for the hiker to take. But yeah, the the mountains are not empty. You will meet quite a few people. You will get invited by these people in their homes, their temporary summer homes. So in the winter, it's too cold to live up there. So they, yeah, they offer you tea or a bowl of yogurt, uh, fresh bread. And although it's quite hard to communicate possibly with them, uh, unless you speak Russian or Tajik or Pamiri, yeah, it's really fun to have a peek into their daily life and see yeah it's quite tough living up there, as you can imagine uh, there's no fruit, no vegetables. people live off yeah it's just uh milk meat so it's it 's quite hard to live up there but they're yeah they 're very hospitable and you will have to decline a few invitations for tea, otherwise you won 't get anywhere while walking, which of course it's a good thing it's it's great to yeah, to be among the people. Otherwise, the mountains would be quite empty and lonely.
1: In the guidebook, there is loads of information about safety and accommodation and visas and health precautions and the right kit to take and all of that. But what was the biggest challenge that you actually faced while you were in Tajikistan?
2: I guess that the transport is really hard. So some of the trailheads are very remote. And yeah, it's really hours and hours of driving. So it's either if you have a bigger budget you could rent a private vehicle that makes it easy at the time of research i didn't have a lot of money and i spent four months in uh, in central asia to research so it was really hard i found it really hard to yeah to get to the trailheads and you basically have to either find people you share a car with or you wait for a full week to hop on a bus, the weekly bus, to, to get to the trailhead. So that's uh, a real challenge. And then you end somewhere that's also remote. Yeah, to plan all that is, yeah, it takes a bit, it takes a bit of planning, but and, and maybe also a bit of budget to, is, if worst comes to worse, you need to get your international flight, that you can actually go back to uh, civilization again. Yeah. That was the biggest challenge.
1: How do you make sure that you stay safe while you're out there? Um, and also tracking through these remote regions?
2: Yeah, so generally I would say it's very safe to uh, trek in these mountains. The the people are very welcoming, and if you're in trouble, they they will help you. And even if you're not in trouble, they still try to help you, and sometimes wonder what what you're doing there. But yeah, it is remote, and that is a reality of trekking in Tajikistan. Medical facilities are, are far away. I did my first research in 2010 and people warned me about wolves and bears. And, and that's, it was, that was the least of my problems. Water is generally, drinking water is generally a, a bit of an issue because there's a lot of livestock. And my personal philosophy is being healthy is being able to take care of yourself. And if you have, if you get sick, you could be in a bad place. I think map reading is an essential skill, knowing how to use a map, because you're far away from any phone reception, and the weather is generally a lot better than in Scotland too. Yeah, if you can make it in Scotland, you'll be fine in Tajikistan, I would say. Also, one thing I would mention is that trails can be quite treacherous, because in in springtime there's quite a few landslides, uh, avalanches, and they can take out a path. I would say always go for your own judgment and uh, make sure you know, you're okay with uh, uh, going into this treacherous section of of trail.
1: If it's more treacherous in the springtime, when is the best time to actually go?
2: That's a good question. It's actually more treacherous in springtime because then you've got all the snowmelt. Rivers are, the river levels are very high. So crossing a river would be quite challenging. Bridges may may have been taken out. And as I said, landslides occur quite often. Yeah, that makes it quite a hard time to go. So I would say the second half of June until September, maybe even October could uh, is the best time. I think September is the best month to go because it's quite empty. The rivers are low, uh, passes are snow free.
1: It doesn't seem like the sort of place that you want to go solo trekking
2: that 's what I did the first four months, and that's <laughs> actually yeah, and in some parts of the mountains you 're not alone in the sense that you meet a lot of local people, but when you go along, of course, you need to plan it really well it 's all about planning because there 's no shops around the corner, you need to plan your food, but you can 't take too much, obviously because you need to carry everything yourself and it 's sustained hiking at high altitudes, crossing some passes, maybe bad terrain. I think if you plan it, yeah you it's a delight, actually.
0: If you're interested in discovering Tajikistan yourself, head over to the Citroën website where you can get 25% discount off the guidebook. Type in Pamir 25 with a capital P at the checkout. We hope you enjoy reading the guidebook and discovering Tajikistan.
1: You co-authored the guidebook with Christine Oriel. She's the co-director of an organisation called Women Rocking Pamirs, which trains women up to be trekking guides and encourages women to go trekking in Tajikistan. Do you think, as a woman, it's ne- necessary to be part of a group like that to go to Tajikistan, or can you do it?
2: I guess there's no doubt Tajikistan can be a challenging place for uh, for a solo woman to travel. It's quite a conservative country, and I think, but I think. Christine's organization it's an amazing initiative and it also empowers women to become guides and i think yeah breaking that that gender bias i think it's a, it's a wonderful initiative and it's quite successful necessary i don't think it's necessary there're quite a few reputable local trekking companies and they either have men or f- male or female guides and and in, in both ways it's uh, you can trust them to take a Women either solo or uh, a group of women uh, safely through the mountains.
1: Maybe as a a wider question, then do you think you talked about like how difficult it can be to plan this sort of trip? And I imagine for your first four month trip, you didn't go with a tour operator, but would you suggest that people do that?
2: Uh, Yeah, it it opens quite a few doors. Also, the language is, is quite a barrier, and if you want to know more about the way people live what people are doing in the mountains how they live in winter time obviously that's it's quite an it opens a conversation with the, the locals also it's as as i said before the terrain can be quite treacherous and the local guides the local companies they know where the where a bridge has been washed away or where a, a part of the trail has disappeared the local economy benefits from people who are hiring porters and and guides and cooks so I would always encourage for a better experience and to yeah, to boost the local economy, to, to hire a, a local team. And it's good fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that kind of sense of supporting the local economy is something that you're really pushing to do with the Premier Trail, isn't it? Which we're going to talk about, I guess, shortly, actually. But yeah, in terms of supporting the local community as well, they seem like a very hospitable people and that you might have... A- opportunity to have a kind of homestay could you explain how that works and how that benefits
2: the locals to sleep in various places in very remote parts of the premiers but also to yeah to generate extra income tur- tourism income for remote places because obviously hard cash is, is very welcome in these places where cash is not really available people live off agriculture and, and if something breaks then it's often a big problem, I think it's homestays is a perfect way to introduce the tourists to to show their way of living in the mountains and they benefit from it by just earning money essentially inside it you can see it's warm they, they always have a like a, a heater going drinking lo- drinking local tea, sometimes uh, yuck butter tea because uh, yucks are, are quite common in this area, uh, just like in tibet and uh, yeah enjoy enjoying local food as well you basically sleep with a whole there's there's one Area where where the guests stay, so you might be sharing it with with a bunch of other people, but yeah, you can share stories, and uh, I think it adds to the experience. And then, yeah, sometimes when you're stuck for accommodation and people notice, they, they will take you in. Yeah, the hospitality is really in their DNA, and if they see you're it's late in the day, you have no place to stay, you probably have no tent with you, they will invite you in. Uh, first for tea and then they ask you whether you want to stay and before it you you spend the night in somebody's home which is quite unimaginable in many places where we are from and even if you pay for it it's very cheap you, you get dinner breakfast and and a night stay for 15 to 20 dollars per person and then you can really experience what you, you can see what people's life is about
1: and i guess if you stay with a family or a community and it's not a kind of formal homestay is it good practice to leave something for them as way of thanks
2: they will refuse offer but yeah it's you have to make find a way to what we always did was we just left it in a corner so they would find it because they they will refuse you ask three times they still refuse or you give it to the oldest child just to leave the equivalent basically of what what you would pay at a homestay, so about fifteen twenty dollars. Yeah.
1: yeah, we've got quite a lot of questions actually uh, from the audience. You mentioned that water is difficult to get hold of, um, but how do you do that? How do you get a daily water supply when you're? Out in-
2: yeah, just make sure you do follow rivers quite a lot. In the east eastern uh, Pamirs, it's uh, it's quite hard, but like in the central Pamirs and also in the Fen Mountains, it's quite easy to find wa- uh, water. The only thing is that. Obviously, where there's a lot of people with livestock, the water will probably be contaminated. So you need to purify it or filter it in order to, to make sure it's safe. Because quite a few people I know have become sick just, just because of the water.
1: We're going to talk next about the Pamir Trail. This has been something that you've been thinking about through lockdown. Um, I wonder if you could talk us through what it is, your vision for it.
2: There is such a vast network of trails all across the Tajik mountains. I thought how amazing it would be just to do a, a full traverse of the Tajik mountains from the northwest near the Uzbek border, right across to the, the Waha corridor where the border with Afghanistan is. I've, I have a map. This is a map fi, 1 to 500,000. It's made by Markus Hauser. And, and there were all these dotted lines that indicated there were trekking routes, and you could all connect them. And that's also a little bit what we've done with the, the, the guidebook, so people can create their own longer track. And as an extension of that, I thought, wow, that's, it is possible to stay in the mountains for over a thousand kilometers. I measured it was about sixty-seven stages and twenty-five kilometers vertical ascent. So I tried what, what I tried to do. Online is just to see if I could connect the dots between the areas that I already know and the areas that are still unknown. And it might it's a bit of a challenge, but it's not as hard as you would think it is. And uh, the reason why, also why I wanted to have a branded trail is that you've got trekking routes like Everest Base Camp and even the Great Himalaya Trail, the Jordan Trail. So there's so many branded trails that get a lot of attention. And for Tajikistan, although we have the book, it's still... Lots of areas in the Tajik Mountains miss out on, uh, on, on, on the tourism dollar. Yeah, I thought, how great would it be if you create a trail that runs along a lot of homestays and places where there's potential for homestays and, and create business and employment opportunities for guides, cooks, people with pack animals. Because it is possible. Uh, you, you can make this fantastic long-distance trail. That, that could benefit the local economy as well. It's going through really high altitude terrain, but th- there, are, there should be trails. I still need to find out a few, research a few areas, but I'm sure we can, we can forge a way through, through the mountains there. I'm in touch with, what I'm trying to do now is to find uh, trail experts who can fill in the blanks on the map for me. We have, through the book, Research we already mapped tw- twenty nine stages, primarily in the central and southern Pamirs and in the, the eastern part of the Zereshan Range, which is at the left top. But the northern Pamirs and the eastern part of the Zereshan Range is still quite a yeah an unknown area for myself. But I'm in touch with a few trail experts who have lived in Tajikistan and they 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 know the place much better than me. So I'm, I I intend to work with others to make this amazing trail happening. I'm not, I I don't know everything. And I also have a family. I live in Kappala, I have a family here, so I can't just go away uh, for another four months. Uh, So yeah, I'm looking for people to work with. And also I'm I'm looking for some funding because it's remote. And with that lack of time, I probably need to invest in some, in hiring a private vehicle. I also want to employ local guides, also give them a taster of what it's like to guide foreign tourists around in their mountains and, and maybe they will get inspired and think of it as a potential job yeah at the moment i claimed pamiertrail.org and that, that's going to be the platform i want to share my about the project and and inspire people to try and do it uh, the early adopters
1: so the the biggest challenge at the moment is it that northern and eastern section
2: yeah, that's the biggest challenge. So next year, here I am again. So ne- next year, I'm, I hope I can guide the trip that was as, I was supposed to guide this year in the southern Pamirs. And I will extend my trip and try to go to the northern Pamirs, hook up with some local trail experts and, and see if we can find an interesting route that, yeah, that goes along the villages that deserve some, some, more, some more traffic from tourists. Yeah, quite exciting. <laughs>
1: And I guess so far have you been doing it, those sections, have you been doing that off the, the Russian mapping. Those one to 50. Yeah. 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 And are they, are they quite up to date in terms of like how much the trails have, I guess all the way through, haven't we? we've talked about the need for planning? Um, and I know that you're planning to be out there in 2021 and 2022 in the summer. Um, so how much preparation yeah. have you already done for those trips?
2: Uh, apart from contacting the the people who know the areas that i don 't really know, not so much because yeah in all honesty've 've been, I've been lucky enough to visit Tajikistan five times, so for me it 's in some ways it 's quite a routine I, I can just pack my stuff, I know what I need and and i 've got my local contacts as well, which is quite handy and off I go but then the planning part is important in terms of just choosing the right route, otherwise you waste a lot of time, so that 's why I want to hook up with the, the those
1: so if people want to support you um, you've got a gofundme fundraiser going
2: it would be amazing so the, uh, i just want to emphasize that the money is not going to uh, pay tickets because that's paid for by the, the companies i work for it's really about local logistics and and going to these remote places to see where we can put homestays where bridges are needed, where trail maintenance is needed. So to do a first uh, recce a survey. And with that, we try to get a like a good picture with film, photography, and also trail descriptions. Just to get the, the, the um, yeah, to, to have a, a package for the second phase, which is empowering locals to become a guide, to become cooks, to, Work, as, work with pack animals, so basically training and, and building capacity locally. And of course, build bridges and, and actually do the trail maintenance. But that, we need a lot more money for that, so that's the second phase. First, we need to establish this trail and get a definite, definite route.
1: Collaborating and working with them and trying to be supportive of that local economy. Um, Yeah,
2: that's the main point. Of course, it's great to have an adventurous trail. uh, If the locals just see all these foreigners passing by and they're not spending any money, or they're not they're, they're not getting involved in the project,
1: I suppose to bring it back to Tajikistan in general. You mentioned if you can do Scotland, you can do Tajikistan. But you know, if people can't get there at the moment for you know travel reasons and restrictions, what would you say people could do to yeah, either train for Tajikistan or experience something similar, or is it just a completely unique
2: experience? I think the closest in near Europe is Morocco, probably, terrain-wise. Morocco in springtime, not necessarily Morocco in summer. But I think if you train, even if you train on your local hill, you it's all about the fitness and practicing packing your rucksack, pra- practicing actually going out with your rucksack, go camping somewhere uh, and find a routine because it's all about routine and finding what, what works best for you. Also equipment wise, because of course it's, yeah, if, if your boots uh, don't really fit properly or the, the rucksack is not, it doesn't really fit properly. So it's all, yeah, you just need to do a few practice runs on your local hills and, uh, and, and make sure you're fit, but don't overtrain because I know plenty of people who, train too hard for this kind of stuff and then they get injured and they can't go on track, train sensibly a few times a week. (laughs) Not too much.
1: (laughs) Don't overdo it.
2: (laughs) Don't overdo it, no.
1: (laughs) And what are you most looking forward to when you get back to Tajikistan?
2: I guess just waking up in my tent, opening the tent, seeing a fantastic mountain landscape with nobody around. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, Uh, the the solitude and the the remoteness—that's the environment I'd love to be in. Yeah,
1: I guess you can try and experience that by finding a nice remote hill somewhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah, just yeah, adventure is really around the corner, and in Kapala, it's a bit harder. But even here, you you go across. the lake with a boat and you can find some quiet spots and I'm sure mm-hmm. in Britain and another place in Europe it's not different yeah just have to keep your eyes open
1: yeah thank you so much for talking to us about trekking in Tajikistan and the Pamir trail Then I hope people have been inspired
2: I hope so too uh, it was a pleasure Amy thank you for having me
1: That was Jan Becker talking about trekking in Tajikistan and his vision for the Pamir Trail. You can support Jan and the creation of the Pamir Trail by donating to his GoFundMe fundraiser, which will be www.gofundme.com forward slash creating the Trail across Tajikistan. I imagine if you search for it, that will come up. Um, we can put a link in the show notes for that. You can also find out about the progress of the Pamir Trail on PamirTrail.org and also on the Palmyra Trail's Instagram account, at Palmyra Trail.
0: Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast. You can find out more about our upcoming live events at cicerone.co.uk forward slash events. To keep up to date with the podcast, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, for all information, go to the Cicerone website
1: you can let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving us reviews on your podcast platform or by emailing us live at cicerone.co.uk. If you have any authors that you'd like to hear from or particular questions that you'd like us to explore do let us know. In the meantime you can keep up with all things Cicerone by going to the Cicerone website where we have over a thousand articles Um, you can check out our full range of guidebook titles there and also sign up to our newsletter you can search for at Cicerone Press on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and you can also join our Facebook community Cicerone Connect to connect with other outdoor enthusiasts. We hope you enjoy listening to
0: Footnotes the Cicerone podcast and that you are inspired to set out and explore the outdoors. We'll see you next time.